Hello and welcome to Making Media Now, the Filmmakers Collaborative Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Azevedo. On this episode, we explore the world of ghostwriting. If you were to scan the top 50 or so bestsellers on the nonfiction list, you'd likely find that memoirs and autobiographies make up a fair portion of that list. And here's one of publishing's inside secrets. Many, if not most of those books, were actually written by someone whose name appears nowhere on the cover. Welcome to the life of a ghostwriter. Joining me on this episode of Making Media Now is Sherry Granadier, a successful and sought-after ghostwriter with more than 20 years' experience in ghostwriting and publishing. Sherry has ghostwritten and edited over 150 books, including five that made Amazon's bestseller list. From ghostwriting for individual authors to taking on the authorial voice of large corporations such as Vogue, The Jenkins Group, Leaders Press, Advantage Media Group, Tate Publishing, and many more, Sherry has distinguished herself as an expert listener and writer who's been able to capture the voice and spirit of dozens and dozens of authors that she's ghostwritten for. This was a fun and enlightening conversation. Making Media Now is sponsored by Filmmakers Collaborative, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting media makers from across the creative spectrum. From providing fiscal sponsorship to presenting an array of informative and educational programs, Filmmakers Collaborative supports creatives at every step in their journey. To learn more, visit filmmakerscollab.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please do share, leave a review, and follow. And now on to my conversation with Sherry Granadier. Hello, Sherry Granadier. Welcome to Making Media Now. Hi, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing great. Where are you uh, speaking with me from? Uh, Maryland, about an hour and a half south of D.C., Wonderful. So, Sherry, you are the uh, author, the ghostwriter of over 150 titles, at least four of which have spent time on Amazon's bestseller lists. Uh, I'm going to assume that a good portion of our listeners uh, have at least heard the term ghostwriter. But what's your kind of elevator pitch for what a ghostwriter does? A ghostwriter basically helps a person that wants to create a book uh, to get it done, Uh, positioning them as an expert in their field Mm -hmm. and allows them to, um, you know, get it done in a timely manner, Uh, because typically most people don't have time to sit down and write a book, right? It takes a lot of time and effort. So uh, that is basically what the ghostwriter does. And at at what point in the book imagining process are you brought in? At what point are you introduced to the subject matter and to the uh, the client or the person that you're going to be ghostwriting the book for or on behalf of, I should say? You know, it all depends. Each project is different. Um, I've had ghostwriters that have nothing but an idea in their head. And they want to get a book or create a book out of that idea. Mm-hmm. That's so it goes from that to the point where I've met with authors and they already have chapters written. They've got outlines done. They have 
a lot, but it's not where they want it to be. Yep. Uh, it doesn't sound, it doesn't read well. It's not engaging enough. They want it, you know, kind of jazzed up a bit. What's the connection between yourself and the the would-be or wannabe author? Is it typically a personal relationship that you've already had? Are you working through a publisher? Is it people that have been referred to you or is it a combination of all of those? Yeah, a combination of all of the above. Uh, I have written books for people that I I actually know and, you know, developed a relationship, of course. And then there's others that um, I work with about eight different publishers. And a lot of times they have ghostwriters in their stall sort of in their barn, so to speak, that they can refer authors to Mm -hmm. to get the book done so then they can publish it. Okay. Um, and then I also get a lot of referrals um, and also online through social media, various websites that have ghostwriters listed on the site. Tell me a little bit about uh, your own path uh, professionally that brought you into the field of ghostwriting. Yeah, boy, that's all. How, how long do we have? No, um, <laughs> as much as you need. <laughs> I'll summarize it as quick, but, you know, I've always been interested in writing. I've always enjoyed it from even as a young child. I remember being in classes and I would be bored and I wanted to and I would just write. I would create stories just sitting there Um, that led to writing articles for various magazines. Mm -hmm. And a lot of ghostwriters start out that way. They just start writing for a magazine or um, publication. And that, you know, leads to another gig or position. Mm -hmm. And my first book I wrote was in 2007 and it was for a doctor uh, that wanted to create a book that showed the reader that there are alternative methods of healing. Okay. And that was my very first book and he loved it. And he was like, so excited. And I'm like going, wow, this is, you know, I, I guess I did a good job. This is something I could do. And so then I just started bidding on projects on different sites that were looking for ghostwriters yep. and managed to build a very successful career doing that. And, and, that's and what's, your, what's your process, um, say, uh, pre-writing before you before you start mm-hmm. writing? What's your process in trying to uh, ascertain what the author's quote unquote uh, voice is. And do you, how do you arrive at that? Do you read things that they previously wrote or that at least previously appeared uh, under their name uh, or is it through conversation? For me, it's mainly through conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I met with an author yesterday that I'll be doing his book and he's with the NFL and right. wanted to create a book about what you know they go through to obviously win games and get to where they get, where the teams get. Is he a player? Is he a coach? Is he in the front office? Yeah, he's in the front office. Okay, cool. He actually uh, helps hire uh, teams, members. Okay. Yes. Players. Yep. Um, And so it's very important that when I start a project like that, uh, obviously capturing his voice through meeting with him once a week. And in that process, we create the outline. Outline is key. It's like a roadmap to success, you know, getting all the topics that we want to discuss in an orderly fashion and put it in an outline form got to start there. And is that outline, is it more or less um, chronologically driven? Is it subject driven? 
Ah, sometimes both. Okay. If it's a memoir, yep. uh, then often it is more chronological. But then there's sometimes when I'll do that, and then we may take a significant event that happened years down the road, put that in up front, and then take the reader through the journey. And so, you know, each project I take on is always different. It's always unique. It's part of what I love about it. And then others are more just like, you know, more cut and dry. Mm -hmm. They just have, you know, content they want to share and we need to get the information out and in an orderly fashion. So the the memoir would seem to be um, the most personal uh, in terms of, you know, you're adopting the voice and you're you're kind of commandeering the memory uh, yes. or the memories uh, of the uh, the person that you're writing about or, or writing for. Have you developed a technique for kind of bringing to life the words of that person's memories uh, so that you're evoking the emotion, you're able to uh, evoke a sense of places that you probably have never been to yourself and, and not just places, but places in a particular place and time. Yes. And you hit the nail on the head. It's uh, very emotional. A lot of times writing a memoir, especially if they're trying to get out their story that was traumatic They'd been through an experience, whatever the case may be. Uh, So there's many times I've had to have a box of Kleenex when I knew I was going to meet with that client because (laughs) whatever was going to happen during that hour. Um, For me, I also um, did quite a bit of interviewing on television and radio for many years, and that has helped me significantly through this process of getting yeah. a memoir written. So I like to ask those questions. I dig in. In fact, it's so funny because they'll say, wow, no, no one's ever asked me that. Or, you know, I didn't think anybody would want to know that. Or do you think that's important? I'm like, yeah, it is. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a tell that you've you've touched upon something worth revealing when nobody's ever asked it before. Yeah, exactly. That's the, and that's what makes it fun for sure. It's an enjoyable process, often healing for the author, very healing for them. It allows them to get it out, express their thoughts, their feelings. And, um, it makes them, you know, kind of reflect a little bit, but also kind of clear it out of their system a little. Tell me about instances or if these instances occur, wherein the person that you're going to be doing the ghostwriting on behalf of do they come to you with uh, already having a specific voice or style in mind? You know, some do and some don't. And then there's others that as soon as I meet them, I realize that I need to capture their personality and their characteristics and so on so that it comes across. Um, And then there's others where it's just short and sweet answers. And I've got to kind of draw it out of them a little bit more. And I may, you know, embellish a little bit just to engage the reader, you know, and make it a little more interesting. So yeah, it's always a a different process. Are you typically writing in the first person? Yes. Yes. Especially for a memoir. So it's, I grew up here. I went to school here. I had this experience, et cetera, et cetera. And and when you turn that around and you 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 submit, say, your first your first draft uh, to, to the person that you're writing on behalf of, 
How do you know when you're on the right path, when you when you got it correctly? What type of feedback are you looking for? Uh, several things. Uh, probably the, the best one I always receive is that they'll go, oh, my gosh, this sounds just like me. Yeah. And then I know that I know I nailed it. So that is always comforting to know and grateful that they they feel that way. Um, and then I actually like to read through the chapters together with them. OK. Reading through them together. Uh, they might read a paragraph or a page and then I might read it and so on. And we go back and forth. And the reason why I like doing that is because they often have light bulb moments during that process. Yep. And we can nail it and get those ideas right then and there. So it's a very efficient way to get that done. And if there's something and then it's more about, you know, the details. Did I get that right? You know, do we need to change this and that? So, again, it's part of the process, the content editing. Uh, were you a big reader of memoirs when or, or are you a big reader of memoirs? Love them. Yes. Yeah. I love writing memoirs. I love reading about how people got to where they got, mm -hmm. what they had to go through to get there. Yep. I've always found that fascinating. Um, you know, the perseverance, the desire, you know, the faith that they knew they would get there. Yeah. You know, I just love reading about it. It's so inspirational. Yeah. In, in preparing for this conversation, I, I did, I did some reading of my own around kind of the whole ghostwriting industry. And it's, it's really interesting how it's, um, it's kind of a backbone of the publishing industry. You know, there's a publishing is obviously a huge industry. And I think to the average lay person, when they think bestsellers, they're thinking about the top 10 or 20 or maybe 25 books on whether it's a New York Times bestseller list or Amazon and both in fiction and nonfiction. Um, but if you if you look at the nonfiction, you look at what percentage are memoirs. And of those memoirs, whether they're credited or not, probably 80 plus percent of them involve the, the work of a ghostwriter. Oh, yeah. And then, and then beyond the immediate bestseller list, memoirs sell hugely because I think a lot of people share, um, you know, share that the um, uh, the opinion about them that you just that you just shared with us around. How did this person get from place A to place B? And in almost every case, whether the ghostwriter's name appears on the cover or not, a ghostwriter was used to help elicit that story. Um, how crucial to that kind of branding process, really, for the, you know, for the person you're writing about, how crucial does that ghostwriter relationship come to be once you've kind of established that dialogue that you were speaking of? Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's very important because actually the ghostwriter can play a big role in their branding yeah. of the author. Yep. And that helps allow for a consistent voice mm -hmm. for them, um, both on social media, their website, appearances, whatever they have to, you know, get done. Uh, because I've always said this, the hard part's not writing the book. It's once it's done is getting it out there, the getting marketing out there. And yeah. do you play any do you play any role in that or is that is that part of the marketing department of the publishing company? Uh, both. I deal with publishers that offer that. Okay. Um, they call it a publicity wheel and they kind of plug the author into that publicity wheel, which would be anything from email blasts, social media posts, television, radio, newspaper, print, 
magazines, you name it. And depending on the author and, and that experience, the other way I help my authors is get them listed as a national speaker okay. with speaker bureaus throughout the United States and Canada which is something I have done and did for many years. And I found it was the best way for me to sell books. I would sell a case of books in 20 minutes at the back of the room. After these, I sold. Were those books that, that you yourself had written or that you'd ghost written? Uh, that I had written. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I was so amazed at that. As soon as I got through speaking often uh, at events, they would have a back of the room table and they just call it back of the room sales and people would line up to get a book. And that's the, the beauty of having a book, because when you go in a, an event and speak at an event, they want to take a piece of you home with them. Sure. And a book is the best way to do that. Mm hmm. Um, along with uh, memoirs and, and nonfiction titles that kind of serve as the backbone of the publishing industry these days, audiobooks play a huge role. Do you have a sense of what percentage of the books that you are the ghostwriter on uh, go on to have an audio version? Ah, yes, quite a few. I want to say 70 percent, maybe mm -hmm. more. Yep. Um, and I've also done that as well, uh, narrate the book as well as write it. <laughs> and that is a big factor when it comes to narrating, because the first question I ask, if I get asked to narrate their book and I didn't write it is if it's been edited. Yeah. And that is a key factor. Um, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. There was a book I remember, I'll never forget. I thought, yeah, okay, all right. It was on a Mediterranean diet. And I started reading it and, it and I was like, oh my God, after the first paragraph, I was like, I can't narrate this. It's <laughs> gotta be edited. So, yeah. but that turned into my unediting. Absolutely. Gig. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's, I, I admire your entrepreneurism. Um, <laughs> yeah. And to talk about un, unsung heroes. If ghostwriters are unsung heroes, then editors are unsung heroes to the unsung heroes. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Such an important part of the process. So you yeah. mentioned uh, writing ghostwriting memoirs and you just mentioned one on the Mediterranean diet. I know you've done a whole bunch in the field of nutrition, fitness books, business books. Do you have a preference? Ah, wow. Yeah, I guess I do. Um, you know, I'm still passionate about nutrition and health, mm -hmm. so I definitely enjoy anything in that genre. Yeah. Um, a big fan of the natural medicine world. Okay. And how helping people heal yep. and realizing that there are alternative me methods and like pe educating people about that. Yep. And um, yeah, probably the, the project that I'm most proud of is um, for a nutritionist that used to be in the pharmaceutical industry. And he became a clinical nutritionist. And if you ask him what he does for a living, he'll say, I heal people from drug induced diseases. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And that was a big book I was very proud of. It's called The Pharmaceutical Myth. And he thanked me in his book for ghostwriting it. So I can certainly say that. That's excellent. <laughs> That's great. Um, how important is it for you to have at least a kind of a, a a working vocabulary and at least a lay person's insight into the subject matter before you even engage the, you know, the person you're going to be writing the book for to establish some sort of credibility. 
That is definitely a plus. I will say that, for example, the this next book project on football is something that I uh, I I certainly have an interest in. It's more obviously the football. I need to know the terminology and give me a call anytime, Sherry. Okay. We'll do that. Um, and so he wants to focus on how they got to the win. Sure. They did an upset of a, a, a team, their team that won and they weren't expected to win and what they went through to get to that point. And that's mainly what the book's about. So, yes, I'm doing more research on terminology and football <laughs> terms. So how did this particular, in this instance, and you don't have to give any specifics if you choose not to, but how, how did this particular um, author find you? And, ah. and, and, you know, if I'm going to assume he's a male, mm-hmm. the, the yes. guy who's uh, part of the front office of a, for an NFL team, did he have any notions around, you know, about what quote unquote type of person uh, would be able to tell his story best? You know, I have to say that um, he found me through a publisher that I actually work with. So I was listed with that ghostwriter. Um, The ghostwriter that originally started on the project uh, was not able to complete that. Mm -hmm. And but the chapter that they particularly wrote was not what he was looking for. Got it. And so then uh, the publisher came to me and asked if I would get it done, get it done right where it needed to be. And I was like, absolutely. So that's how he found me. Is there a process or a necessary sublimation of the writer's ego when you're choosing to serve as a ghostwriter? And I'm wondering if there's a particular type of writer who is more likely to find success as a ghostwriter versus another type of writer. Got to get the ego out of the way for sure. And talk Um, about why that might be important. Yeah. Um, You know, I get asked that a lot. Uh, People ask me, your name's not on the book anywhere. And I'm like, no, (laughs) operative word ghost. Um, And then there's other authors that are so thrilled with the process and what we went through to get the book done. They want to put me on the cover. And I'm like, Thank you very much. But that's not what I do. I mean, is that's there just a down, would, would there be a downside in your mind to being credited on the cover? Like, you know, the such and such a story by Joe Smith with. Ghostwriter. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Uh-huh. Probably not. I think it would depend on the subject matter. Yep. Uh, in, in certain cases. And if it, and that would be the key factor. Uh, but I really prefer to position the author as the author yep. and, you know, and let them take that to the next level, whatever door that opens, which it will open a door for them. You understand that book will open a door for them. How many titles are you typically working on at one time? Maximum three. Okay. Ideally two. Yep. But then there's times when I end up overlapping and I end up working on three at the same time, you know, that sort of thing. So so what's your process for, you know, uh, shifting from one to the other and getting back into that voice, into that person's head, getting back into the position where you're OK, I got to revisit seeing the world through this person's eyes. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm very methodical as far as that goes. I schedule it uh, just Smart. like I do my workouts. 
Yeah. Smart. You know, if I don't schedule it, you know, it just it, it just makes it easier for me to do that. So I'll think, OK, today's day is this author's day mm-hmm. and my head will be in that author's work and meetings and whatever the case may be. Yeah, I'm always interested when I talk to particularly writers, because they all seem to have a somewhat different process that works for them. But what's your day look like? Well, I get up early. I'm up at five usually every morning and mm-hmm. I spend an hour in prayer and meditation. Okay. Very important for me to start my day that way. Um, and then I uh, work for the next three hours, typically uh, working on whatever book project I've got at that time. And then I stop and teach a class, a fitness class. Okay. I teach uh, yoga, Pilates, enhanced fitness for seniors, all Very of that. Cool. And then I get back to the writing and then, you know, so that's how it goes. When you're mapping out almost a timeline or a production schedule uh, for mm-hmm. a particular book, are you having to build in time for research or is there, has someone else already provided you with the research and you're going to turn that into prose? How does that work? Yeah. Some people will provide me with the research and they want it that part turned into a chapter book, whatever the case is, mm-hmm. how much of it. Yep. And then there's others that I have to do the research. So yes, I have to build in that time to do that. Okay. And that is just part of the process, but I've been doing that for so long that I'm pretty good at getting that done pretty quickly. You know, when I've read about ghost writers who have written books on behalf of, you know, very, you know, well-known, laudable people, uh, you know, you read about the, the, the book was the product of, um, you know, four calls a week for three years. Uh, tell me about sort of the longest undertaking that you've had to engage in. And I'd also be interested in hearing about the shortest. Typically, the way I work, if it is a memoir, I like to interview the author once a week for an hour. Okay. And I actually can create a chapter out of that one hour. Okay. Typically. Yeah. Yep. That allows me to create three chapters per month. Mm-hmm. With the last week of the month, we read through the chapters together. However, there are other projects that like, for example, I'm doing a business book for a company uh, in Ireland. Yeah. And that book is taking is going to take probably two years to complete, to be honest. Uh, Why is that going to be so time and time consuming? um, For one, the research is more intense. I have to gather a lot from different places and. Um, a lot is not in writing, so I've got to t- transcribe the content, the videos, whatever that is involved for that particular topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that this project is definitely more time consuming for sure. And it's going to take longer. Um, but typically uh, it takes me four months to write a 150 page book. Okay. And is there a sweet spot in terms of length of books that you're that you're producing? Yes, uh, 150 to 175, definitely under 200 pages. Okay. And I found that, you know, readers really typically want to read a book under 200. If it's over 200, that's a bit much. Books of that length would work particularly well, as you mentioned before, you know, if it's if it's somebody who's a noted expert on a particular topic, and they're doing the speaker circuit, or they're promoting the book through their own website or through their own personal brand, then that 150 to 200 pages 
does kind of sound like the sweet spot around, you know, for those people who want to take a deeper dive into that person's life or their work. Yes. And that is 150 to 175 pages on a Microsoft Word document. Mm -hmm. When you turn that into a six by nine book, it's going to be definitely closer to 200. Sure. By the time we're all said and done. Have you had situations where, you know, you've contracted to write the book, you've had some preliminary conversations with the, with the individual, but you get a little bit, you get a little bit down the, the road and realize, wow, this person's just not interesting. And I have to make them interesting. I do. Yes. (laughs) What's your secret then, Sherry? Yeah. Um, You know, I, I might ask some more questions about their particular situation and then find that little nugget. Right. That really makes them sparkle. Right. And, you know, brings out their true nature. I I would would imagine that you may have had encounters with people on the other end of the spectrum, someone who comes to you and is convinced that they're the most brilliant person that's ever walked the earth. And how come you're not bringing that out in your words? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And yeah, they're in a world of their own. (laughs) I have come across those authors and, you know, while it's difficult, I do, you know, try and, and do my best to get, their voice heard. And I think that's mainly it. They want to get their opinions, their thoughts out, you know, what they believe and what they want to do. There's this great Saul Bellow quote that I read years ago uh, where he said, "A, a writer is a reader moved to emulation. I'm wondering what your thoughts are around, like if you had to list the three most important attributes for a successful ghostwriter. Mm. What comes to mind? Uh, Be personable when you interview or talk to an author. Mm -hmm. Um, I have had many uh, authors say when we initially meet, um, I like your energy or I feel like I can talk to you. Yeah. And so it's very important to make them feel comfortable with you. So, you know, don't necessarily dive into all the details of the, you know, the like the ghostwriting agreement and all of that stuff right at the get go, yep. have a conversation, get to know them a little bit, let them feel comfortable. So that would be my first thing. Second, in the ghostwriting agreement, get specific as possible. One of my uh, bugaboos is if they send you a PDF, which I can't do a whole lot with. <laughs> I, I I have to put it in a Microsoft Word document. Um, because that's what publishers want. So get the particulars ironed out with that. And then third, uh, schedule your writing. Got to be disciplined on that, whatever it takes to do that, but schedule it and you'll get it done. And I know that in addition to staying super busy as a ghostwriter yourself, you also teach aspiring ghostwriters. Tell us a little bit about the course that you offer. Yes, I did. I put together a six week ghostwriting course and it is on recorded, but I would prefer to meet with the person weekly if that is an option for them. But otherwise Mm -hmm. they could get all six uh, courses in one fell swoop and and just watch them all. I know you mentioned that and I thought, you know what, that's a good idea. And thought of that. Sure. um, But I basically take you through the process. What you need to know as a ghostwriter to be successful. 
And if people want to get uh, find out more about you, about some of the titles that you've put out into the world or helped get out into the world and the course itself, where's the best place to point them? Yes. For ghostwriting. Thank you. Um, it would be Sherry writes for okay. all run together, lowercase Sherry spelled like the wine <laughs> <laughs> and then bling publishing.com is for the ghostwriting course. Excellent. Well, I've been speaking with Sh- Sherry Granadier, who is a ghostwriter of some renown, well over 150 books that she has ghostwritten. Uh, this has been a really interesting and fun conversation. I appreciate you making the time to chat with me. Oh, thank you, Michael. I enjoyed it as well. All right. Be well. We'll talk soon. <laughs>